Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Well, good morning, Celebrate. Great to be together as we continue our series called Marked. We believe this is a life-changing series because if you and I will understand that we are marked by God, He's anointed us, He has something for us, a promotion for us, and the journey of getting there, it'll change your life and those around you. If you'd be praying for Pastor Keith and Kay this weekend, they are in our sister church in Gillette, Wyoming. They did a marriage event there yesterday, and he's preaching there this morning, so please be praying for them as well. And I'm just so incredibly grateful for Pastor Keith in my life, everything he's done, and the honor of opening God's Word with you today. If you would open up to 1 Samuel 18, 1 Samuel 18. Now, last week, Pastor Keith walked us through the story of David, the shepherd boy who met a man by the name of Samuel, a prophet, and Samuel basically anointed him to be the next king of Israel. King Saul was the king, had disobeyed God, and God told Samuel, I have someone else for you to anoint. And so he went to the house of Jesse and said, your son, one of your sons is going to be the king. And so Jesse brought all of his seven sons in front of him, and one by one, God said, nope, 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 until there was none left. And if you remember the story... Man, Samuel goes, is there anybody left? And kind of as an afterthought, Jesse goes, oh, that's right, I do have another son, don't I? He's the youngest. Any of you youngest in your family? You might have feel the same way. Oh, I forgot about that one. He's in the pasture. Oh, let's, well, let's bring him in. And so David comes in and God says, he's the one, anoint him. But let me ask you a question. Did he go right from the anointing from the pasture to the palace? No, he didn't. In fact, after he was anointed, where did he go? Back to the pasture. Back to the sheep. And I say that because there is always a season between the anointing and the promotion. In your life, there will always be that. And some of you right now might feel like you are in that season. Maybe you feel you've been there for a while. And I know God has something for me. I've been praying for it. I, the desires on my heart. And yet it doesn't seem to be happening. Hang in there. It is not a punishment. The pasture is not a punishment. It's part of the process that you and I have to understand. It's a season of wait. In fact, David has said that he was a man after God's own what? Heart. Can you, could you agree with me that you can tell a lot about a person's heart on how they wait? Oh, yes, you can. Absolutely. We'll talk about that here in a second. In fact, Pastor Keith last week gave us three gifts in the season of wait. He said this, it's in the waiting that my character can be cultivated and corrected. That's absolutely true. It's in the waiting that my gifts can be discovered and perfected. And then he said, it's in the waiting that my faith can grow and flourish. And we all say, man, that's great, but can we agree? We still don't like to wait. In fact, how many of you are willing to admit that you are an impatient person? How many of you are willing to admit that the person next to you is an impatient person? <laughs> Isn't it true? Here's some ways of knowing if you're an impatient person. Uh, you burn your tongue on the soup because you can't wait for it to cool down. How about this? At a stoplight, at a stoplight, it's red, at a stoplight, you give verbal driving instructions to the person in front of you. <laughs> How about on a drive-thru? You place your order, but there's a couple cars between you and the pickup, and you start counting the seconds that it takes to get the food, because this is supposed to be fast food, is it not? Or maybe at your home and the TV's on, there's a commercial, and the minute the commercial's on, it gets flicked to another channel. 
because we can't wait. The commercials are too long. Any of you have done any of those four things? I am a four for four. I admit it. Now, wives, let me just say this. If you have a husband that is a flicker of a channel when it comes on, flicks it, always understand this about men. Men really don't care what's on TV. They really don't. They just want to know what else is on TV. That's how it works. Sometimes in the journey of the promotion, what happens is we look at a distance at someone else's promotion. Michelle talked about a prayer being answered, and we go, oh, man, no one understands what I'm having to go through right now. Man, no one understands what's taking place because you see at a distance, you see what's happening in their life, and you think they haven't gone through what I've had to go through. But how many agree that at a distance, everything looks different than when you get really close up? Right? You see things you didn't see before. I, I saw this illustrated a couple of weeks ago. I was laughing so hard because I'm driving and I'm following a Jeep a little bit of distance, okay? And the Jeep has a bumper sticker on the back that says this My wife is hot. I went, I like that bumper sticker. I like that. Man, where did they get that? I should get, I would, I would put that on my car. I would. I'd put that on my car. I thought, man, what a great thing. That husband's a great guy. And then the light res, turned red, and I came right up, right behind, and I realized that's not what it said. Here's what it said. You can see it. (laughs) A whole different meaning. (laughs) Because things at a distance are not what they appear close up. But here's a reality, and it's a reality for every one of us. There will always be a wait season between your anointing and your promotion. Always. For David, 15 years from when he was anointed to where he became king. In the Old Testament, Joseph, 13 years. Jesus himself started his ministry at age 30 when he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. At age 12, he was in the temple. 18 years of Jesus waiting. See, why is weight so important? Because here's the reality. What would have happened to David had he gone right from the anointing right to being king? What would have happened to him? Disaster. He's a shepherd boy. He knows nothing. Nothing. And that happens for people all the time. You have to understand, weight is a gift. See, it's in the way that God is carving you into the masterpiece he has you planned to be. The sculptor Michelangelo had a profound way of addressing this. This is what he said. Every block of stone has a statue inside of it, and it's the task of the sculptor to discover it. In the carving of the angel that he created, he said this, I saw the angel in the marble, and I carved until I set him free. I like that. See, it's in the way that God carves you and I and marks us for his purpose. But weight does not mean Weight is active. Weight is moving. And unless you understand what you do in the weight determines your promotion, you'll never get to your promotion. So here's what we're going to talk about today. What do you do in the weight? What do you do? And I'm going to encourage you, grab your phone or something, take notes, and look for the, what's the one thing I can start with today? I'm going to try to be very practical on some things to help you move in a direction. In fact, turn to the person right beside you right now and just say, You need this.
So, what do we do in the season of wait? We're going to talk about three things that you and I must do in this season. The first thing we do is we must position ourselves. Say that with me. Position ourselves. Position ourselves means to learn, to grow, to stretch, to develop. So how do you do that? Let me give you two thoughts on how you position yourself. First of all, put yourself in opportunities that will stretch you and grow you. Put yourself in opportunities that will stretch you and grow you. If you want to get to a bigger level in your life, you have to become a bigger person in your life, which means you need to stretch. And how do you know all stretching is uncomfortable? Whether it's yoga or life, doesn't matter. I graduated from the University of Sioux Falls, majored in music. Okay, my instrument was trumpet, and so I actually, for a short season, I taught at Washington Lincoln O'Gorman High School, but my student teaching was in Lincoln High School. And I was going to be with the band program there. Now, they had a marvelous marching band program, still do today, but I grew up in a high school where we really never did any marching at all. So one of my goals is I wanted to learn how to do marching band. I wanted to learn how to do that. So I was supposed to start at Lincoln High School at October 1st, start student teaching. But I went earlier in the end of the school year in May, and I called the director and said, hey, can I meet with you? Did said, I'm going to be student teaching with you. Can I start day one? Because I want to learn marching. I, I need to stretch myself. I want to learn. He said, okay. He said, do this. Call me about a week ahead of time before we start, and we'll walk through the details. So I did. He said, great. We're going to start on this day. Don't come day one because it's just kind of uniforms. I think come day two. We start at 9 o'clock. Come at 9.15. Great. So at 9.15, I show up, go in the band room. There's about 200 students there that are all they're doing their warm-ups. And he, I was there for maybe about 30 seconds. He stops the band. He looks at me. He says, Mr. DeVries, right? I said, yep. He said, band, this is Mr. DeVries. He's going to be our student teacher. Mr. DeVries, this is our band. Okay. Trumpets, trombones, tubas, in the other room with Mr. DeVries right now. Comes over, hands me a stack of music, says, bring him back in 30 minutes. <laughs> what room? I don't know what room. I've never seen the music. I've never seen anything. But, okay, I'm trying to prepare myself. I'm trying to put, put myself in a position to stretch and grow. Okay, whoo, here we go. Fake it till you make it. Let's go. Got through the 30 minutes, went back in the room. And I'm thinking to myself, I can't believe he did that. Whoa, okay. Well, they come back in. Literally 60 seconds, he's... Has the band talks him for a little bit. 60 seconds later, he says, okay, band, out in the field with Mr. DeVries. Comes over, hands me a whistle, says, I'll be, back. I'll be out in 15 minutes. I've not been in a marching band before. You talk about stretching, but literally, that's what you need to do if you want to grow. You have to position yourself around situations that will force you to grow. Last week, Pastor Keith made the analogy of trying on a pair of shoes. Try them on. See what they're like. If there's something you think, I'd like to do it, try it. Doesn't mean you, you don't have to always stay with it because we're always afraid we're going to fail. Am I right? It keeps us from that. But yet, everything we do in life, we learn by failing. If a little child's going to walk, how do they learn how to walk? They fail. They fail at walking for a long time until they finally get it. So it's one way. Here's another way to position yourself, and that is to put yourself around mentors. This is key. Pastor Mike Murdoch says this, that mentorship is the key to extraordinary success. 
David put two people around him, and we're going to look at one here at 1 Samuel 18, put two people around him that were the key to his promotion. One was Jonathan. Now, King Saul's the king, still is. David's anointed, but he's not king yet, not going to be for a number of years. Jonathan is the oldest son of Saul, so he's the next in line to become the king. He's the prince, okay? So literally, David could be seen as opposition, a threat, right? But look what happens in chapter 18. Let's start at verse 1. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. That's a great phrase. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself, repeats it. Then look at verse 4. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and he gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Everything that signified that he was the next in line, that he was the prince, he gave it to David. What role did Jonathan have in David's life? He mentored him. I mean, think about this. You're a shepherd boy. You know nothing about nothing because shepherds are the lowest form at that point of occupation. How do you learn to become a king? Jonathan mentored him. How do you learn how to run a palace? Jonathan mentored him. How do you learn how to just do the daily things of, of organization and governmental things and, and to run a, even, even the food system? Of, how do you learn it? Jonathan mentored him. You have to have a mentor in your life that is beyond where you are that can help mentor you to that spot. But you also have to have another person in your life. Jonathan had, David had this as well, and that is you have to have someone disciple you. Okay? If you look at 1 Samuel 19, just turn a chapter over if you have your Bibles. Chapter 19, we're going to look at verse 18. And here's what verse 18 said. When David had fled and made his, his escape, he went to Samuel at Ramah, and told him all that Saul had done to him. Then he and Samuel went to Naoth, and they stayed there. Samuel's the prophet. So while David had Jonathan as a mentor, he had Samuel as someone who discipled him. Now, what's the difference between a mentor and a disciple? It can be sometimes interchangeably, but a disciple is someone who's pouring into you spiritually, helping you to grow spiritually. A mentor might not grow spiritually, help you grow spiritually, but they might help you in a certain area, like your finances or whatever else. A mentor, you need both. David had both. So while Jonathan mentored him on all aspects of the palace, Samuel discipled him on how to be a godly leader and how to lead a people in that way. See, you'll always learn two things in life one of two ways. Always. Everything you and I learn, we'll learn from one of two ways. One is our own mistakes. How many of you have learned something that way? Second one is mentors. Mentors in life. The smart way to learn life is by someone else. That's the smarter way. In fact, most of the time, a key to your promotion is a person. Elisha's promotion came through Elijah. Joshua's promotion came through Moses. Timothy's promotion came through Paul. It almost always happens that way. So here's a question. Who are you positioning yourself around? Are you positioning yourself around friends or mentors? In fact, repeat this after me if you would. A mentor is worth 1,000 friends. I'll tell you that true over and over again. Everybody on Facebook has all these friends, thousands of friends. Irrelevant. One mentor is worth more than 1,000 friends. A friend will tell you what you want to hear. A mentor will tell you what you need to hear. A friend will confirm what you're doing correct, but a mentor 
will correct your mistakes so you don't have to repeat them again. <laughs> In our world, we, we love following people. So we have all these followers, and if, if you're a follower of someone, sometimes people think, well, we have a relationship. They don't have a relationship with you. There's no relationship and no accountability at all. You need a discipler in your life. You need a mentor. Why do you need someone to disciple you, to mentor you? Can I tell you why? Life is short. You don't have the time to learn it all the hard way. <laughs> you don't. There's too many things to learn. You know, I, someone sent me something again this past week. I, again, I was laughing so hard. And I went, oh, my land, is this is true. Rather than telling it to you, I'll just let you read it on the screen. Is that true? That is absolutely true. Man, when you and I are stupid, you might say, Reed, are you calling me stupid? Yeah, I'm calling us stupid. If we determine to learn everything the hard way and not choose to put mentors around us that can teach us because the pain of that experience isn't only felt by us, it's felt by other people as well. Proverbs 13 says it this way. Walk with the wise and become what? Think about that. You want to be wise? Walk with the wise. If you associate with fools, get in trouble. Pastor Keith says it this way. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. It's very true. See, we need mentors. Why? Because oftentimes, as humans, we make decisions a certain way by our emotions. You ever made a decision emotionally? I just feel, oh, my land, are you going to get hurt? You know, it is. We need someone who is not emotionally involved to say, hey, hey, I don't care how you feel, okay? That is not the thing to do. Trust me on that one. We need those kind of people in our life, but we don't want it. Why? Because we don't like to be accountable. We do not like to be accountable, but yet accountability is a key to success. It's one of the reasons of the many that I trust Pastor Keith with all my heart. He has surrounded himself with mentors and people that disciple him that I totally trust. Dr. Joanne Lyons. Wes Smith, who's our district superintendent, Josh McDowell, and many others. And because of that, I trust them. And because of that, I have total trust in Pastor Keith. Proverbs 11 says it this way. Where there is no counsel, the people fall. That's a guarantee. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So when you're waiting for your promotion, position yourself. Here's the second thing to do. If you want your promotion, now... Prepare. Not only position yourself, but prepare yourself. Preparation means this. Get strong. Get strong. Maybe it's getting strong emotionally. Maybe it's getting strong physically. Could be financially, mentally, spiritually, of course. Get yourself strong. I'm in the journey right now of, of rehabbing my shoulder. Okay? Had rotator cuff surgery a few weeks back, and, and uh, I go to physical therapy. So I started going to physical therapy about the middle of December, twice a week. And first time I met with my guy, I told him up front, I said, listen, here's the reality. I'm not giving you a Christmas present. Not at all. Because every time I go, what do I experience? Pain. Every time. I mean, can we not just, can we not just like sit in a whirlpool? Every machine in there causes me pain. And preparation is always a season that has pain in it. In fact, I not only have to go him twice a week, but I have to go at home twice a day 
downstairs and do the same exercises. So I tell my wife, okay, I'm going back in the spare bedroom. I'm going to close the door. No matter what you hear, do not come in. Because <laughs> there's going to be pain involved every time. But it's a situation that I know I have to go through it. So how do you prepare yourself? Let me give you a couple thoughts. Here's one. Become a student of successful people and imitate their habits. Man, can I tell you this is a key one? In other words, where you and I are at in life is exactly where we are because of our habits. So if someone has something that you don't have, it's because they are doing something on a regular basis in their habits you aren't doing or they've just been doing it longer than you because we're a result of our habits in our life. So the key is this. If you want to grow an area, find someone who's further down the road than you and find out whether their habits are. So if you want to grow in your marriage, find someone who's down the road from you and then find out what they do and imitate their habits. So, example, Cindy and I have been married 43 years. Why have we been married 43 years? Very simple. And that is because she is an incredible husband. She has an incredible husband, me. She's married to me, that's why. Of course not. I'm a moron. But the reason we've been married 43 years is there's habits that we've built in our life over time. Daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. Daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. Daily. Every day, we say we love each other and we kiss each other. Morning and night, and we pray together. Weekly, we have a date night. Monthly, we read a marriage book together. Yearly, we get away together. It's habits. If you want to grow spiritually, find out what a person who's more has been down the road more than you, find out what they're doing in their habits and imitate them. Whatever area of life you want, find out and then imitate those habits. Those are key. Let me give you a suggestion on one way you can do that. Read books. Read books. Especially the Bible. The Bible is the most successful oriented book you'll ever read. Here's what's crazy about the Bible. Even if you didn't believe in God, you can read the Bible and you'll succeed in areas. Now, you won't go to heaven, but you'll succeed. Unfortunately, we want you to do both. But read books. Think about this. The average American, how many books do you think the average American reads in one year? What do you think? Four. Now, they might be comic books, but there's four. Think about this. The average CEO in this country, how many books do they read per year? Sixty. 60 books, the average CEO, average American four. The average CEO reads 15 times more books than the average American. Catch this. How much more money does the average CEO make than the average American? 15 times more money than the average American. They read 15 times more books and they make 15 times more money. Crazy. I didn't used to be a book reader. And then someone told me one time, they said, read, you don't get it. When you buy a book and read a book, you are reading and buying someone's wisdom. So if you paid $20 for a book, but in it it's 40 years of that person's wisdom, you just paid that man $20 to work for you for 40 years. I went, ah, that's smarter. Read books. It'll help you. So look at successful people and imitate their habits. But here's the second one. Put in the practice time. If, if you want to succeed and prepare yourself, you've got to put in the practice time. Pastor Keith said it this way last week, and he says, you'll never do in performance what you haven't done in 
practice. Exactly. Hey, anybody watching the Olympics right now? Some of you are? Okay, let me ask you a question. How many hours of preparation has the average Olympic athlete put in to getting to the Olympic? Can we say a lot? Michael Phelps, any of you know that name? Most decorated Olympian of all time. Any of you know how many medals he's gotten? 28. What's crazy, 23 of those are gold, three silver, two bronze. Oh, he's just a natural. It just came natural for him. Whoa, really? No, he put in the practice time. Six hours a day, seven days a week. For three years before one of the Olympics, he took three days off in three years. Think about this. He swam for 24 years. Add that up. That's over 50,000 hours in the pool. Now, if you started, if you went in today, got in the pool, and started swimming, and went 24 hours a day, never stopped, never got out of the pool, that would be six years you'd be in the pool. You got to put in the practice time. Super Bowls today. Who cares? The Chiefs aren't in it. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Let's just be honest. How many hours of preparation? has the player put in to get to this point? Through workouts, game film, study, practice. Tens of hours? Hundreds? Thousands in a lifetime? Tens of thousands? You gotta put in the practice time. So if you wanna grow your marriage, if you wanna grow your marriage, position yourself. Get around people who have a great marriage. And now, put in the practice time. Read Mary's books, go to conferences, do a date, do the things that they do. Put it the time in. If you want to be a great parent in your life, position yourself, get around people that are great parents. Look at kids, you go, I want my kid to be like that. Who's their parent? You. I want to find out your habits. It's all habits. It's all habits. What are the habits you're doing? And now, put in the practice time. Read books on parenting. Go to conferences, get around that, be mentored. If you want to do it spiritually, position yourself around people there and then put in the practice time. Spend time in God's Word. Take the classes from Southeastern that we offer. you got to put in the practice time to be able to do that. But here's the third part of that one. And man, do I see people mess this one up. If you want to prepare yourself, third is don't shortcut it. Don't shortcut the process. <laughs> we always want to shorten the wait time. Do this. Repeat this after me, would you? The longest distance between two points is a shortcut. You ought to write that down. If you're a parent, you ought to teach that to your kids. The longest distance between two points is always a shortcut. It's a danger of YouTube. It's a danger of social media. We see a 30-second highlight film, we think that they shortcutted it. No, it's never shortcutted. Financially, financially, don't shortcut it. Don't shortcut it. Here's what Proverbs 13 says. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. Position yourself around resources to learn from it. Put in the practice time. Don't shortcut it. Take Financial Peace University. Just tithe. Oh, my word. Just tithe. God will do things on your behalf. Discipline yourself over time you will succeed. Don't shortcut it at all. If you want a God marriage, if you got, why, does, why does God say 
wait, wait to have sex before marriage. Why does God say that? Why does God say, don't live together? Wait, wait until marriage. Why? Why does he say it? You know why? If you shortcut it, you'll never hold it. I don't care what in your life you try to shortcut it, you'll never hold it if you shortcut it. If it's a marriage, a business, a ministry, I can give you a thousand examples I've seen over my lifetime, in my life personally, as well as many others. Try to shortcut it, it'll kill you every time. Don't shortcut it. David didn't shortcut it. He prepared himself. When he was in the pasture, he prepared himself as a warrior. He prepared himself as a musician, prepared himself in his walk with God. He spent then time with Jonathan, learning the palace, learning everything. He prepared himself. Got around Samuel, prepared himself. And you can't rush it. (laughs) You want a word of encouragement? Here's a word of encouragement for Moses. Position, 40 years. Preparation, 40 years. He didn't start his promotion until he was age 80. How's that for encouragement? You can't rush it if you want it to be God's promotion in your life. So what do you do? You position yourself, you prepare yourself. But here's the third one. If if you're waiting for God, then do what great waiters do. Do what great waiters do. Serve. That's what a waiter does. A waiter serves. See, we won titles. You realize that God doesn't give titles? You know what God gives? Towels. That's what he gives. Here's what Proverbs 3 says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding, on your own emotions. Trust in the Lord. It says this, in the weight journey, God says, trust me. Trust me. Position yourself, prepare yourself. But now trust me, just start serving where you're at. I can't promote you until you're faithful in where I have you now. I can't get you to that spot. I can't get you to that area. I can't get you to that dream if you're not being faithful where you are right now. I mean, if you and I go to a fine restaurant, we want a good waiter. And what does a good waiter do? They don't tell you about themselves. They don't tell you what you're going to eat. Hey, it's meatloaf. You're going to like it. No. They say, what do you want? They serve you. They wait on you. There's a lot of people that are, their season of their promotion isn't coming because they're terrible waiters. They're great whiners, terrible waiters. For Joseph, 13 years. And his position, he didn't choose it. You don't choose being sold into slavery. You don't choose being put in jail, falsely accused. You don't choose that. So the position, he'd even choose it. But during it, he prepared himself by serving. He served Potiphar. Then he served the captain of the jail in the prison. And then he served Pharaoh. And his serving gave him his promotion that in one day, he went to second in command of the greatest nation of the world at that time, Egypt. He positioned himself. He prepared himself. But he served. David was a great waiter. David was a great waiter. Here's what's crazy about David. This blows my mind. He served King Saul even when King Saul was trying to kill him. Now, I have people say, well, I I can't serve them. You don't know what they did to me. What, did they try to kill you? Well, but they said some things that hurt me. Okay, great, but did they try to kill you? Are they actively trying to kill you right now? Are they at your house waiting for you to try to kill you? Well, no. 
Uh, that happened to David. In fact, a fascinating story, if you want to glance at it real quick, 1 Samuel 24. This is a fascinating story. David's being chased by Saul and the army. They're all trying to kill him. David now is hiding for his life with a group of men that have joined him. They're in a cave hiding. And Saul says to his army, uh, hang on a second, I have to go to the bathroom. Actually, it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. He goes in the cave to go to the bathroom. And it's the same cave that David and other men are there. And all of his men go, this is it. Your promotion. God said you're going to be king. Take it. Take it. Shortcut it. Kill him. It's yours. David said, "Uh uh-uh. No. No. I will not. I serve him. He is still king. Are you kidding me? They're trying to kill you. Doesn't matter. I still serve him. But he snuck up, cut off a little portion of the robe that Saul had, snuck back, and when Saul left the cave, was at a distance. Look at verse 10, 1 Samuel 24, verse 10. This is David speaking. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Even though Sam, Saul was so far from walking God for right now, so David said, I'm not going to take him. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I'm guilty of any wrongdoing or rebellion. Dog, that's a great waiter. It's a great waiter. And because of that, God knew he could trust him. He could trust him with the kingdom. See, you've got to become a great server. Jesus is our greatest example. Here's Mark 10. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to what? Yep, others and give his life as a ransom for many. So, this week, be a great waiter. Just be a great waiter. Serve, serve. How can you serve? Here's some thoughts. Compliment anybody anybody that you can. Anytime you can compliment somebody, compliment them. Can you find something good about everybody? Yeah. You know, for a big guy, you don't sweat much. I mean, something. Say something (laughs) as a compliment to him. You can do that. Why don't you serve somebody by helping? In fact, man, man, man. Always open a door for a lady. Never let a lady open the door themselves. Serve them, whether it be your wife or someone else. Always open a door. Maybe say this week, hey, can I help you with something? Or I say this a lot, is there anything I can pray for you about? Serve. Maybe it's within the church. Serve. If you're not currently serving in the area of the church, serve. Find an area. Try it. As Pastor Keith said, maybe it's kids. Maybe it's youth, young adults. Maybe it's administration. Maybe it's facilities. Whatever. Serve. Maybe it's an area of bringing somebody to church with you. Instead of, hey, just invite, come with me. Serve them by bringing them with you and say, let's have lunch afterwards. Expose them. Let's reach more people for Christ. In fact, let me do this real quick. If, if you have been a follower of Jesus for 20 years or more, this doesn't mean you're perfect. None of us are. None of us are. But out of your heart, you really have been trying to walk with Jesus as best you can for 20 years or more. I want you to stand for a quick minute, would you? Just stand real quick. We're at if you've been walking with Jesus for 20 years or more, I want you to stand. First of all, let me say this. Yay for you. Yay for you. Stay standing. In a world right now where people are leaving faith drastically in droves, thank you for staying the test of time. And being, nobody's perfect, but you've been faithful to saying, I really do want to follow Jesus, okay? Now, here's my thought to you. If you're standing right now and you are not intentionally discipling somebody, 
outside your family, we should always be discipling our kids and grandkids, but outside our family, if you are not intentionally discipling somebody, that is your next step. That is your next step because the Bible, we are commanded by Jesus, his last man, go make disciples. Not go sit in church. Go make disciples. You have so much wisdom and insight. You're not perfect. You don't know everything. We had a whole group of people baptized last week. They're young. Some, some of them, to be honest, don't even know where to find Matthew. They don't, don't, don't know anything. You are a step beyond them. Disciple them. That is your next step. Let us help you with that. Okay, man, stop at guest service after and say, okay, I, I want to I disciple. We will connect you. Okay, have a seat. Now I'm going to have you stand, but I'll just say this. If you've been married 20 years or more, disciple a young couple. In 20 years, have you gone through some wars? Absolutely, you've gone through some wars, and you've learned some things that you can pass on and help other people with. Don't just be there and be yourself and say, I'm going to just enjoy it now. No, serve. Man, we live in a country right now that most Americans... They work to age 65, and then they spend the rest of their years getting ready to die. Are you kidding me? At age 65, you should have 20 years more experience wisdom than at 45. If you're at 80, you should have a whole bunch more years than you did at 60. Serve. Give back at that time. So what do you do in the wait? You position yourself. You prepare yourself. But then you do what great waiters do. You, You serve. You serve. And in doing so, God says, that person has a heart. I see that heart. I can trust that heart. I'm going to give them a promotion they could have never dreamt of. David could have never dreamt it. Joseph could have never dreamt it. Moses could have never dreamt it. He will do something that's beyond your imagination, but he has to see you in the moment now. Here's what Galatians 6, 9 says. Let's not get tired of doing what's right. For after a while, we reap a great harvest of blessing if we don't get discouraged and give up. Last story. I love butterflies. I just do. I don't know if anybody else does. I think they're one of the most fascinating creatures that God has ever created. You know what amazes me about butterflies? Their weight. Do you realize the cocoon season for them is equal in length to their lifetime as a butterfly? I did not know that. It's equal to that. A man found a cocoon of a butterfly one day. A few days later, a small opening appeared in the cocoon. Fascinated, he sat and watched the butterfly for several hours as it struggled to force its body through the little hole. Then it seemed to stop making any progress. It, it appeared as if it had gotten as far as it could and could go no further. After waiting for some time, the man decided to help the butterfly. He took a pair of scissors and nipped the remaining bit of the cocoon, and the butterfly emerged easily. A shortcut. It had a swollen body, though, and shriveled wings. The man continued to watch the butterfly, hoping that the wings would enlarge and expand to be able to support the body. It never happened, and it died. What the man did not understand was that the restricting cocoon and the struggling required for the butterfly to get through that small opening of the cocoon were nature's way of forcing fluid from the body of the butterfly into the wings so that it would be ready for flight once it achieved its freedom for the cocoon. The shortcut 
killed the creation. That's what's happened with all of us. So many times God has a promotion for us, things that he says, oh, I wish, I, I wish you understood what I have for you, how I made you, how I created you. I, I've anointed you. I anointed when you were in the womb, I anointed you. And I have this for you. Ah, but you don't wait for me. You don't wait. You don't position yourself. You don't prepare. You're not serving. And you're sitting literally on your butt of excuses. But I'm busy, and but I don't have time, and but I don't feel. And He says, I, I, I can't get you there. I know you're praying for it. I, I can't get you there. What would happen if we would go through the journey, the process, and trust God and say, okay, God, this stretches me, this hurts that, but in that, God says, I'm going to put things in you you can't do for yourself. And then I'm going to do through you things that you could never imagine. That's what God wants. Every one of you is a masterpiece. Let him chip away at you. Let him go through the journey. Position yourself. Prepare yourself. Serve. What's your next step? I don't know. For those of you who stood, kind of gave you your next step. Let's get you connected. Stop. Just give us your name. Say, hey, I want to I disciple somebody. We'll connect with you. Maybe you're not being discipled right now. You're not being mentored right now. Say, I, I want that. Great. Give them your name. We'll connect you. Maybe it's another area of your life. Great. Let's help you. Let's work with you. Maybe it's 211 helpline. And you say, I want to serve somewhere. They have all kinds of areas that they can use volunteers. We'd love to help you do that. That's what being Jesus is all about. The process... It's no fun, but is it worth it? Oh, man, it is so worth it. Father God, thank you for your word, that it's true not just to King David. Actually, it was true to David before he became king. He became king because your word's true. It was true to Joseph. It was true to Moses. It was true to your son, Jesus. God, it's true to us. God, would you forgive me Forgive us for the times that we have tried to shortcut. We've chosen because either fear or failure or don't want to be held accountable or whatever the case may be. We're consumed with ourselves and our agenda that we haven't positioned, we haven't prepared, we haven't served. God, we want to see things we couldn't imagine. We want to see promotion we can only dream of. And you want that as well. So God, thank you for your word, but now as it moves into hands and feet of us, thank you for your promise that it is true. We love you. We adore you. We ask this in your name and all God's people said, amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.